Thank you. Oh, man. <clears throat> no pressure, right? Man, um, now I'm nervous. Um, wish he could introduce me every week. Makes me sound way better than I am, that's for sure. So good. I see so many of you that I know and love, and what a joy it is to be here. And I, and I do have to say, you know, in those <clears throat> years here in Nashville, loved them. Every one of them. So grateful for those years. And, and then, of course, Paul and Deborah moved to Texas before we did. And uh, they're the reasons why we are where we are. They just they called and, and just said, hey, we want you to look at this area. It wasn't even on my radar. wasn't looking in the North Dallas area. wasn't looking McKinney, Frisco, or whatever. And I'm going to tell this story a little bit. But Paul and Deborah, I love you guys. Thank you for your imprint uh, of, of ministry and DNA at Hope Fellowship. I love you. I love you. And I'm so grateful. Aaron, I would not be the same guy without you. Uh, he started this church with me. So he says, John went and started the church. We, we went and started the church and, uh, without Aaron and, uh, his and Beth and, and his DNA, uh, in those early years, I, I, I know that we would not be where we are today without Aaron helping me. So I love you, man. So grateful for you. And then Aubrey and Jen, are they in the room? Did they leave Aubrey and Jen? Are they, oh, they, there's Jen. They were uh, with me for many years, and I love you guys like family. I love all of you guys like family. But um, And then I have all these other people that I know that I love like family, so I'm so grateful for all of you. Okay, so can I just relax and be at home with you and talk to you like I was talking to my, my, my family at home, my, my church family? I, I, a lot of you know, uh, because of Aaron and, and our connection, uh, Hope Fellowship and, and, and how that all kind of started, but you don't know some of the details. So what I'd like to do is, is share my journey just a little bit. And I'm hoping that at some, in, in some way, at some level, that this is going to help you in your own life. And here at CIL, corporately, uh, I listened to uh, Pastor Aaron's message a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Palm Sunday. And uh, eight reasons why I want my church to grow. And I listened to the whole thing and I'm like, oh my goodness. So I'm hoping to just piggyback on that and, and give you a little context of my story, our story. And hopefully, we're going to Matthew 25 in just a little bit, but hopefully it's going to help you. Not only as a church, but in your own individual families, your marriage, and, and your life. So let me, let me start by, in 1999, this, this, I, I'm, I'm uh, older now, and so 1999 doesn't seem like that long ago, but um, we decided that God had put it on our hearts to, to plant a church. And we didn't know where, we didn't know how we were going to do that. Um, but I just prayed, and, and just actually spent a year and a half in the old youth room at our church, and prayed every morning, seven, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 a.m., met in that room uh, with Rick Steinling, my good buddy, and we prayed. And I didn't even really know what I was praying for, but just prayed and said, God, I, don't, I feel this tug. I don't know what it means. I don't know how we're going to do it, but, but uh, I just lay it before you. And I prayed about other things as well. But in that, that year, summer of 99, <clears throat> we decided again, through Paul and Deborah, hey, we're going to come up to that, that McKinney-Frisco area. So if you know Dallas, if you go straight north on the tollway, you run right into Frisco. It's about 25 miles north of, of Dallas. 
We have the Dallas, Callis, Dallas Cowboy headquarters there now. Uh, how many Dallas Cowboy fans? Oh, wow. Wow. Are you kidding me? Do y'all have a pro team here? Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. So I'm kidding. Come on. Come on. The, is it the Titans? Is that what it is? No. Okay. So um, Dallas Cowboys headquarters is there. The Dallas Stars hockey headquarters is there. The, the, one of the AAA teams for the Texas Rangers is there. The PGA headquarters just moved there. They have three big golf courses. I mean, it's just crazy, the, the whole area. But, but we didn't have a, a, an inkling that anything was, like that was going to happen. We, we had four places picked out. Henderson, Nevada, which is outside of Las Vegas. The Woodlands, Texas. Austin, Texas, and San Antonio. We thought we were going to go there. But anyway, ended up in the North Dallas area. But the, the backstory in that is when, when I talked to the organization at the time that we were a part of, to, to go plant a church in any area, you have to get approval. Okay, So I talked to the, the leaders in that area and uh, said, hey, you know what? We, we feel like Paul and, and Deborah had showed us around McKinney. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was crazy. I had no idea. When I was there in the 80s going to school, I started, I, I uh, moved to Dallas in 84 and was there until 1990. And um, McKinney was like ranch, like cows and maybe uh, 10 people. And at that time in 2000, uh, 1999 or 2000, it was 50,000 people and it would grown. And so anyway, we, we were like, man, this is where God wants us. So talked to the organization and thought, man, we got this down, right? You remember this? We, we, we just got this down. We're going to McKinney. And they called and said, hey, John, we did not approve you to start in McKinney. And let me, there were two thoughts, um, two thoughts that I had. The first one was, I don't care what you say. You know what I'm saying? How many would have that thought too? Sometimes you have that attitude on the, on the bypass or something when traffic. I... I, that was my first inclination was, you know, I really don't care what you think. I'll do what I want to do. And, and I, I hate to say that, but that was my immaturity. And the second thought was bigger and louder. And it was, trust me, trust me. So I, uh, now those of you who know me, I'm a really nice guy, right? I don't like I don't like confrontation. I'm not like a guy that's going to be in your face like Aaron. I am, no, I'm kidding. I am, I am more just like laid back. I should be in Southern California, right? I'm so laid back. And um, so all these thoughts are going through my mind, but I'm never vocalizing any of them. I'm never vocalizing like, I don't care what you say. I'll do what I want. Do you know who I know? You know, all those things. And then I just said, okay, well, where do you think? And he said, well, there's one area... Uh, 121 in Preston. That's all he said. And, uh, and I said, okay, where's that? And he said, there's a little town called Frisco. And uh, he said, man, we don't have anything really that's going there. There was one little church there that didn't have a pastor. And anyway, long story short, we ended up in, in Frisco. Wanted to go to McKinney. McKinney was much more built out. Frisco was okay. So we decided, okay, let's go to Frisco. So we come to day one, right? Aaron is there. We're all setting up the church. We're meeting in a daycare center on Hillcrest Road. Uh, We paid $100 a week for this daycare center. 
one of the miracles of, of that of our story is is uh, that whole deal. But anyway, we started and had our first day. You know what? It was pretty good. We didn't advertise. I didn't know a soul in the city of Frisco except the people that moved from Nashville. And then we had some friends, you know, like Paul and Deborah and, and a few friends from my old church in, in Irving. So we had 50, 51 or 53 people, including kids, including pregnant ladies. Uh, they counted two, right? Uh, I mean, just anybody we could count, right? Uh, and then, so we, we were excited. The very next week, I mean, that week, man, we were like, this is going to work. We, I mean, we didn't even advertise, and we had 53 people. Okay, let's go. Saturday night, the next Saturday night, we're setting up. And uh, I'm in the trailer bringing out chairs, and uh, a, a suburban drives in, and he calls, John. I'd look around, and it's my friend, one of my friends, who started the church the very same day in Frisco. Okay? Now, I wish I could tell you that I was really happy about that. You know what I'm saying? I wish I could tell you. There were three churches that started that day, January 9th, 2000. Three churches started that very day. And I look back on that, and I wish I could say, praise God. You know what? I mean, we're going to reach all the people. But I was kind of ticked. I was like, this is my city. What in the world? Why are they char- Why are they starting? What are they going to do? So he comes in. And he, he started that same day, and he drives in, and I mean, this guy is six six. I mean, muscles like Craig, kind of like built like me, and and he and he says, "Hey, John, how did your first week go?" And I was like, "Oh man, it went really good." He said, "How many did you have?" I said, fifty three. He goes, "Oh man, that's all. what was your offering in the ministry world." Um, two things that really count people, the number of people and, and money. Does it make sense? Now I know that, that, that really isn't true, but it kind of is true, right? There, that was the, that was the question he asked me. He just said, Hey, what was the, what was the count and what was the amount? And I said, well, if you had 53 people and I said, we had 3000 in the offering, we were, I mean, we were like, Oh man, this is awesome. And I go, how did it go for you guys? Cause I had no idea. He goes, oh, man, it was great. I said, how many did you have? He goes, we had 878. <laughs> man. You can, I, I, I'm sure he could see it in my face. I was like, praise God. <laughs> Good night. You know, I was blown away. We had 870. I remember the number exactly. I said, oh, oh good. Did you have a good offering? Yeah, we had over $100,000. And I was like... Man, and that's, oh man, only God, only God. Well, I got to go set up, so I'll see you later. And I turned around and, a, and, a, and, and I wouldn't say a spirit, but, but discouragement came over me. Because in my immaturity and in my pride, I felt like we were the ones to reach Frisco. We were the ones that God had called to reach this area. And so I didn't say anything to anybody. I, I just uh, went about my week and I was really, really discouraged. You know, you ever whine before the Lord? That's a, that's a spiritual gift that some of us have. And, and I, I, I went out by a little pond on a golf course where I lived, lived in an apartment complex with the four kids. And I went to a pond and set up my little chair and my Bible and my journal 
And man, I was just talking to the Lord and I was very discouraged. And I just said, Lord, you know, I, I don't get it. I, I, why, why did you call us here? I wanted to go to McKinney. And yet I'm here stuck in this city. And now this church is going to take off and you know, all those things that, that are natural. You know, looking back now, I wish I could have said, man, this, hey, God's in this. We're, we're, it's going to be good. But I, I didn't. And so I'm praying and I'm talking to the Lord. And he took me to Matthew chapter 25. And if you, it's going to be on the screens. If you want to turn in your Bible, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. And I want to start with verse 14. It says again, and, and again, this is what the Lord, this is where he kind of took me. This is where he took me. Again, and if I'm, I may be reading a different translation because I see a different translation up there, so just bear with me. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned Two more. So both of these guys, five and two, doubled what they'd been given. Verse 23. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling small amounts, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those, listen to this, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. I sat there in my little chair and, and as I just read this. I probably read it two or three times. And I wondered what is the Lord trying to say to me? And it wasn't an audible voice. But there were a few things that came out of that day in the chair of prayer that changed my life from that moment forward. Now, I wish I could tell you that the next week we had 500. 
right? The next week we had, you know, this, it was just awesome. We had 50,000 in the audience. No, no, the next week we had less. We had 40 something. But that day, I really do believe, if you, if you believe in the gifts of the spirit, which I know this church does, I believe the gift of faith for our church was given to me. Because not one day from that moment forward did I ever doubt that God was going to do something. Because he said, he said in my heart, John, don't you worry about anybody else. You stay faithful to what I've given you. And I'm going to use you in this area. Not just me, but hope. He's more referring to hope, not me. I'm going to use your church. I'm going to use this church. And you're going to be a blessing to many. That was what he put in my spirit. And I walked away from that thinking, okay, it's about stewardship. So the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes, God gives everyone something. I don't, I don't care who you are. Um, you may not be as talented as Aubrey and Jen. You may not sing like that. You may not be able to whittle things out of nothing and create a whole forest, you know, of, of treats. I mean, you may not be able to get up here. If I called you up here to, to speak, you would be petrified. But you have get Everyone is given something. According to your abilities, according to what the Lord puts on you, puts in you, five to one, two to another, one to another. We all have God-given gifts. And I don't know what yours is. I don't know. There's many gifts. We have personal gifts that, that you are, are uniquely wired and you have been through a journey of pain, a journey of challenge, a journey of trials, and you have a story that nobody else has. And there's something that God's put in you. And just because I'm called to preach or I'm called to pastor doesn't mean that I'm more important than you. Doesn't mean that I'm going to be held more accountable to you in, the, in that realm, in, in the realm of stewardship. Now, my teaching, yes. But stewardship is across the board. It doesn't matter who you are. You've been and I've been given something. And your story and your journey can make a difference in somebody's life. And after that day of prayer, instead of focusing on what I didn't have, instead of focusing on what somebody, what somebody else had, I just decided, all right, you know what, Lord, I'm going to be faithful today. I'm going to be faithful this week. I'm going to be faithful this year. And whatever you do and whatever you give and, and however this goes, I'm going to trust you. And I want you to think about your family. I want you to think about your life, whatever it is that you have, your job, your ministry, your finances. What has God put in your hands? What is it that, that he's called you and only you? Not me, not Pastor Aaron, but what has he called you to steward? Now look at, at this area. Man, since I've been here last, um, this area is, I mean, grown up. I mean, there's, I mean, I don't even recognize part of this stuff anymore. I lived on Daniel Smith Drive in Hendersonville, 109 Daniel Smith Drive, right off of Gallatin Road by Nannyberry Elementary. Um, I don't even know if I could get there. I don't recognize some of this stuff. But the, the, the growth in this area, Gallatin, Hendersonville, Goodlettsville, and whatever else is here. You look around, and as a church, what has God put in your hands? What, what has God put in our hands here at CIO? 
And what, is he, what has he given us to steward? And, 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 and we could say, we could say, hey, you know what? You know, I don't know. We, we just like us. We like us the way we are. Does it make sense? We, we, like, we like CIA, I almost said hope. We like CL the way we are, man. And we just don't want to mess with that, you know, because growth is messy. Can I just tell you that? It's messy and it changes things. You may not be able to get that seat that you always get. You may, not, you may not know everybody, you know, all those things. So the point is that you individually and we as a church, we have been given something to steward. And I will never forget that day. It lives with me. I, I don't want to say every day, that'd be an exaggeration, but often I go back to that day at that park and can take you to the very spot. And I know that the Lord said, you be faithful. You steward what I've, been, what I've given you, and it's going to be okay. I may not have five. I may not even have two, but I have one, and I want to double that. Does it make sense? The second thing in this whole story is it's not up to us how much we've been given. It's up to us to steward what we've been given. It's not up to us how much we have. Because we could all look at somebody else and say, well, you know, if I had what they have. And, I, and it was so easy for me to look at him. And, and, and we had many, uh, you know, um, uh, meetings and, and a few lunches. And, I mean, our church was just, I mean, just started that way and, and was, was so big for a long time. And I, and I, man, I wish I could tell you that I wasn't jealous. I wish I could tell you that I wasn't like... Well, yeah, if I was able to start with almost a thousand, look what we could do. You know, all those immature and all those things. But you know what? You compare yourself with what you don't know about somebody else to what you do know about yourself. You and I lose every time. When you compare yourself to another marriage, when you compare yourself to another business person or woman, you, when you compare yourself and your family and your kids to others, you're going to lose every time. Because you know you, but you don't know what goes on inside their home. You don't know what goes inside their head. You don't know what's going on in their life. But we compare, and that's what I did. I mean, I was comparing. I was like, man, but that from that day, man, I really felt like, you know what? I don't know how much you've given me. But I'm going to try to double that. The reality is, though, we're not all given the same amount. The reality is, now you, you've heard, I mean, I, I, I laugh and I really, um, I say this with all sincerity, I'm not going to offend you, but you ever heard, you ever told kids, yeah, you can do anything you want. You can be anybody that you want. Well, you, you, no, that's not true. That is not true. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. There's some of you that if you, you can't run fast. It's not right, but you have a desire. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to win a gold medal in the Olympics in track. And I, no, you're not. <laughs> you're slow. Does that make sense? You can tell everybody all the one. No, not everybody is given the same amount. And we tell these kids, we tell them, hey, you can do anything you want. You can be anybody you want. You can be the president. No, no, not everybody's going to be the president. It's not true because the reality is, you and I both know this, the reality is somebody can get up here like Aubrey and sing and Jen, and they can sing and they make sense singing. 
the note matches where we're supposed to be. Some of you, you have a dream. You want to go on American Idol, right? And I know we're in Nashville, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. But you want to go on American Idol or whatever, and it's like, no, you can't sing. You don't have that gift. And if you don't know it, everybody else does around you. Everybody else does. You know what I'm saying? My point is, not everybody's given the same amount. And so the, the comparison thing, when the guy with one could look at the, the, guy with, the, the guys with two and, and ten or five and say, well, I don't have what they have. So you know what comparison does? It paralyzes you. Comparison, whether it's marriage, whether it's family, whether it's ministry, serving, volunteering, you know, somebody's got that personality at the door that just, I mean, they're just the life of the party. I mean, I wish that that was the case for me. I wish that when I walked into a room, everybody goes, oh, John's here. This is all. No. I'm like, hey, guys. You know, I'm very shy. Not introvert, but I'm shy. I'm not the life party, but you look at somebody who walks the door or uh, mans the doors and they're like, welcome, come in. We love you at CIL. And you're just like, Man, I can't do that. You're not like that. Okay, then don't stand at the door. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't stand at the door, do something else. You can't compare yourself with, with anybody else. And, and so what happens when you do is you don't do anything. You just say, well, I'm not like Pastor Aaron or I'm not like Pastor whoever and I guess I'll just attend. And I'm here to tell you, guys, as a church, collectively, it's not up to you what you've been given, but it is up to you to double what you've been given. In other words, to steward what you can give. And if you have the spirit of us four no more, then what you're saying to the Lord is I'm going to bury my talent. I'm going to bury what I've been given. Or, or, or is there anything that you've been comparing yourself to? When I moved to Frisco, <clears throat> there were 24,000 people. There were 50, about 50, I think, in McKinney. And there were 24,000 in, in Frisco. Do you know how many there are now? People, I'm taking 230,000 people in Frisco. 220,000 or so in McKinney. Do you understand the stewardship responsibility that hope has? That we're, now, we're not the only thing. There's great churches in our area. The church I talked about that I compared myself to and that I didn't like that first day. They're big, they're, they're, they're great. God's doing great things there. There's other great churches. But do you understand in your area, Hendersonville, Gallatin, and, and, the, and, the, and the surrounding areas, what you and I have as a stewardship responsibility, I, I totally believe this. And I, I'm here just to encourage you with my journey to know that, hey, listen, I'm not the most talented person. I'm not the most gifted person. I'm more of a teacher, not a preacher. I wish that I could preach. My God, you know what? I'm, I can't do that. I feel weird when I do. But when I just relax and become me, and I use and steward what I've been given, God can use that. 
And I'm telling you right now, some of you are thinking in your mind right now, I don't know what I could do. I don't know. Can, can I just tell you there are neighbors around you that are far from God. There are coworkers that you have that you work with that are far from God. You have a story that I don't have. You have a journey that I don't have. We just, this weekend at our church, this past weekend, a friend of mine named Toby, Toby Slough, he pastored a church in Argyle, um, uh, Cross Timbers Church. And I had no idea about this, never met him before in my life except for a few months ago. And then I said, hey, I want you to come speak. But he shared a story of being diagnosed with panic disorder and anxiety 30, 30 years ago. When, when none of us really knew all that much about anxiety and depression and, 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 and panic and, and so forth. So many of our young people, so many of our kids in our church, so many of our staff struggle with anxiety, struggle with, with attacks of panic and so forth. And I said, man, I want you to just come share. And he said, man, years and years I prayed for God to heal me. I was a pastor. Pastor, a large church in Ariel. I was a pastor. And, and I believed God to bring healing to my life. And it never came the way that I thought it would. But now he uses his story. Listen to this. He uses his story. Uh, he still has panic attacks. He still walks through anxiety, but he uses his story to encourage others that feel like there is no hope. There is no, nothing that I can do. God doesn't see me. God doesn't care. And he says, man, I'm just here to tell you that he does. And he told his story. Can I just tell you, I don't know what your story is. And you may not think you have one, but God has entrusted to you your life and your story. And he wants to use you in your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood. And you don't have to be up here. You don't have to be the youth pastor. You can be who you are, where you are. God wants to use you. And if you bury that talent, if you just bury that talent, you and I and the whole world loses. And you and I will be accountable. And the third, the third thing, let me, let me put a couple of questions first before I go on. Is there, I think they're going to be on the screen. If not, that's okay. Is there anything you've been given that you've buried? Is there anything that you believe right now that you've been given that you've been buried? Your marriage, your family, your ministry, your gift. And the second question is, are you comparing yourself and your gift to someone else, causing you to believe your gift isn't important? What's in you? What has God given CIL? You got prime real estate right here. What has he given you to reach this city and this area? Use it. Guys, I'm begging you, don't bury what God has given you. The talent, the anointing, the teaching, the theology, the love, what God has implanted right here and entrusted to you, man, we have to steward that. The third thing is if you choose not to steward your gift or our gift, we're going to lose our gifts. And here's what I mean by that. In other words, if you choose to bury what God has given you, we lose influence. We have, we, we have no influence. And that's what happens. Listen, I've, I've been to Italy, Germany, England. I've seen some of the most beautiful churches you've ever seen in your life, cathedrals. Just unbelievable in Rome and Florence, Venice, Milan, England, London, wherever. Beautiful. They're empty. 
for the most part, they're empty. I mean, unbelievable buildings that sit empty. Why is that? It's not just because of bad theology. It's not just because of this or that. You know what? A group of people decided that we're not changing. We're not moving. We're not open to the next generation. And we're just going to be who we are with churches for me. Does that make sense? And in, in, in all of Europe, the, uh, Russia as well, Moscow, these churches are empty. And what I'm saying is, we have a stewardship responsibility for Hendersonville, Gallup, this whole area. And I'm just telling you, in the next generation, if we don't open our, not only our doors and say, hey, everybody's welcome, open your heart. It's messy. No question about it. You come to my church, you probably wouldn't like it. I mean, I remember a time in which it felt like family. Does that make sense? I remember a time in which I walked into the room and I knew almost everybody by name. Now I meet them five times and I still don't know their name in the lobby. I, I mean, I'm just looking to see people and I'm like, it's not, it's not that family feel. And I'm not saying bigger is better. All I'm saying is I got to be a good steward and you have to be a good steward. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And so my point is here at this church, CIL, I'm in, I, man, I want to blow some encouragement on you to say, hey, what is it that God has given you? What is it he put in your hands as an individual, your marriage that you are burying, your family that you are burying, your kids that you are burying? What is it that God has put in you? Steward what you've been given. I loved Pastor Aaron's message, why I want our church to grow. And it's not up to us how big our church is. It's not even the point. Numbers, money is not the point. It's about people. Lost people matter to God. And if lost people matter to God, they matter to me. And let me tell you something, they should matter to you. And it's messy, and it is sometimes crazy. That's why we have recovery ministry. That's why we have marriage ministry. You come to the North Dallas area, and what you have is a high-income, low-wealth. What I mean by that is they make a lot of money, and they spend it all. Okay? Make a lot of money. I'm not saying that nobody's wealthy. I'm just saying that it's, it, I mean, very high-income, a lot of you know, big houses. Sometimes I drive around and go, man, what do these people do? I mean, these houses are huge, high income. But can I just tell you, marriages failing, no peace. And they are looking to everything else in this world that money can buy, whether that's sports, number one place to raise an athlete. You know where that is in the nation? Frisco, Texas. Number one place to, to raise an athlete. Sports is a God. And I know it's probably here today. I was in the hotel this morning getting breakfast and there was like sports everywhere. And it's not, sports isn't wrong. I'm just saying in my area, it is almost God. And so when all of the sports and all of the boats and all of the lake houses and all of the things that we can accumulate in this world don't give you what you're looking for, guess what? 
They start looking to something else. And that's why hope is there. And I have a little suspicion that this area is not much different. When things of this world don't satisfy, when money can't buy the peace, when a bottle can't give you what you're looking for, another relationship can't give you what you're looking for, you start turning to something else. And guys, we're right here, right in the corner for everybody to see. And I pray, my prayer is that we would not lose our influence, that we would not see this church in a hundred years, empty. Because somebody in that church buried their gift. Guys, this is exciting stuff. This is, this is what we live for. I know you have businesses and I know you teach school and I know all those things are very important. That's all kingdom work. That's all, everything we do is kingdom. Does that make sense? Everything we do, it's a stewardship responsibility. So today, I pray that you would not compare yourself to anybody else, not look at any other church, not look at any other marriage, not look at any other family, but that you would say to the Lord, God, in my hands, you have trusted me. You've entrusted to me this responsibility. Help me to steward well. Help me to steward well. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done right here, right now at CIL as it is in heaven. I pray for every individual that has been given whatever you've given them. I pray for every marriage. I pray for every family, every single, every business, every ministry, everything that we do. And I pray that we would look at what we have in our hands and that we would not bury what we have, but Lord, we would steward what we have. Whether that's one, two, five, ten, whatever it is that we have, it's yours. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in this church as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.